Directory of Signing Agents, 888-587-9294 or mainnotarynet.org. WERU's Boat Talk Cruise is happening again. This year we'll be cruising up Somme Sound on Saturday, June 17th, leaving the Northeast Harbor Town Dock at 6 p.m. Everyone is invited to join us on the Sea Princess for the cruise before the fjord is declared unsound and its resources diverted for national security. The trip takes about three hours and we bring potluck finger food to share and you bring your own beverage. We'll check out local boatyards, view fake wildlife, and share stories with food in our mouths. Thanks again to Sea Princess Cruises for donating the Sea Princess. And if you'd like to check out the Sea Princess in advance, just go to their website, cruiseacadia.com. We put a tip jar out to help pay for the fuel. The boat is fully covered and goes rain or shine. Tickets are just $20 with children under 12 free. Call WERU at 469-6600 during regular business hours to get your passage to support Real Community Radio WERU-FM Blue Hill. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Maine Community Foundation, working with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people on the web at maincf.org. It's 13 seconds after the hour of 10 o'clock. It's time for Talk of the Towns. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, and to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns began in 1993 with support from University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Taking its cue from the Pledge of Allegiance, the indivisible movement has rallied thousands in Maine and across the country to resist the Trump agenda. And we have some folks in the studio who have direct experience with that, uh, leading the the efforts um, with their colleagues on Mount Desert Island. And um, we're here to talk about how they've been engaging citizens and elected officials in the form of government we call representative government. So I'm happy to welcome um, Jill Weber. Jill, welcome to Talk of the Towns again. Thanks, Ron. We also have Gail Leiser. Gail, welcome. Good morning. And Ellie Oldock um, is a, a student from College Atlantic. And I don't think we have Bo Green on the line yet, but we'll we'll see if we can get her on the line um, a little later on. Perhaps each of you would tell a little bit about yourselves. And, and uh, before you got involved in Indivisible, what, uh, what what's your life been like? Um, Jill, what, you're a consulting botanist. I am a consulting botanist, and I edit scientific journals, so I've, I've been uh, on Mount Desert since 1997. I'm a relative newcomer in that way. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and um, you helped with some really interesting projects. Um, one is a, a guide to plants um, on Mount Desert Island. Is that right? I have been lucky to run into really great people who give me good opportunities. So I'm a co-author on a, a couple of books on, on plants of Maine and, and Mount Desert Island. Great. Gail, you're um, co-owner with your husband of, of uh, Galen's Restaurant. Um, tell us about how you arrived in this area. Sure. Um, back in 1986, we left our hometown in the south looking for some place to move. And we came to um, Bar Harbor, and we said, we like it here. Mm. And we were looking to open a restaurant, uh, which we did. 
Um, so we're in our 32nd season now. Um, like Jill, we've had lots of good help along the way. Mm. Um, couldn't have done it without a lot of people, mm. a lot of good people helping us. Um, and so we are well established within the community. Um, we like to participate in our community. And Indivisible um, is part of my participation in my community. Mm. Mm. Ellie, how about you? How did you come to this? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I came to Bar Harbor more recently than Jill and Gail uh, to go to College of the Atlantic. I graduated in 2015 and spent a year in New Zealand, and that was 2016. So everything that was going on politically, I was watching from very far away. Um, and after the election, I told people in New Zealand that I was going to go home and join the resistance. Um, <laughs> half joking, uh, but in fact, I came back to Bar Harbor and... Uh, found indivisible um, and found this way to be really involved in in re- resistance and in community. Um, so it came true Great. more so than I expected. Great. And we on the phone we have uh, Bo Green. Bo Green is is one of the um, folks um, who has been very involved in indivisible um, on Mount Desert Island. Welcome to you, Bo. Thanks, Ron. Um, we're giving a little bit of introduction of background, um, and uh, you're in the field of education. Tell us a little bit about um, your work. Okay. Well, I came to the island in 1993 after I married a professor at College of the Atlantic, and I have been here ever since. I teach calculus and staff at Mount Desert Island High School. And I have to say I haven't been much of a political activist. I've been, or at least not in terms of involvement until this, what I would call, disaster jamboree. Uh, Yeah, I I paid attention, but I was never felt the need or whatever, you know, and that's, that's on me for not feeling that way. But it just, this seems like there's just no choice for me morally to be involved and resist with all the might that I have. I did not go to Washington, uh but there was a small group of us that did meet in Bar Harbor on that day. And, you know, then we connected with Gail and Jill and others who had been to the march and were just feisty, and that's where I belonged. So. Mm And was there anything in particular or several things that kind of tipped you over the edge in terms of, of your your design to get involved, Bo? And I'll ask each of the folks um, that kind of question. But start with you, Bo. Well, the election, of course. I mean, it was, it was my biggest nightmare. I just assumed it could not possibly happen. Um, I just, you know, maybe I live under a rock, but I just, when I think about goodness and humanity... Um, it just never occurred to me, really, that uh, we could be in this place and, and be going backwards on social issues and environmental issues. And um, I guess it scared the daylights out of me, you know, shocked me to such an extent that I just felt I had to respond. And, you know, there's no looking back right now. Mm-hmm. So. Great. Yeah, I, it was definitely the election. I mean, I can't, I can't kid anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, um, uh, Jill and Gail, you um, went to Washington on the 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 march on inauguration around inauguration day. We did. Gail and I went together with a couple of other people, and by that time, I knew that I needed to do something. <clears throat> I hadn't been active in the election. Um, much to my surprise, I remember going into the voting booth and starting to cry because I was casting my vote for a woman, and I was sure that she was going to win. <laughs> and hours later, it became clear to me that not only would we not have a woman president, but we would have a president to whom human beings didn't matter. And that was the point at which I knew I I needed to get involved and do something. So the Women's March uh, was powerful and a a trip I won't ever forget, but uh, we didn't get to rest on our laurels very long because by the time we got done marching and finally got some food that evening, um, Gail let us get as far as ordering our food before she said, well, that was fun. 
But now we actually have to do something. And before dinner was over, Gail had created a Facebook event. She had made herself a, a host and appointed a couple of the others of us there as hosts. And um, we had, that was Saturday night, we had our first meeting outdoors in the Bar Harbor um, town green on Monday afternoon. Temps were, I don't know, high cold. 30s. It was cold. It was, a, that's, if you ever want to have a short meeting, <laughs> schedule it in January outdoors. Gail, uh, had you already kind of had this sense that you needed to do something back home, or did it come to you during the march? It was all part of being there at the march. Um, we, it was a life changing event for me. Mm. I had never participated in any sort of uh, large organized anything like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was a life-changing event for me. And I could not go there and be a part of that energy and all that was going on there and come home and go back to my life as I had known it. Um, and Jill's right. We sat down for dinner. We, you know, we were, we followed the march and we followed the march beyond the march. We were, it was, it was late by the time we finally sat down and, and had some dinner. And it, it really became a matter of what, what are we going to do? We have to do something. And so on a phone and set up this Facebook event and it just said, just be there and we'll figure out where we go from here. Um, as it turned out, um, I'm not sure how Kate, where Kate Sieblin, who I know from other parts of my life, uh, got the information about it because we were sharing all the information, you know, with all of our friends. And she, on the bus home from from the march, set up a indivisible mdibh at gmail dot com account um, so that she could could get a an organization in the, the MDI area going with the Indivisible because she, like I, had seen the Indivisible Guide before going to the march um, and then said, okay, maybe we could, you know, work on these principles to bring people together. And so serendipitously, I guess, we had, you know, we were able to meet on the Village Green and have an email address there and say, if you want to get together... I wrote it on the back of the sign I carried to the to the march, you know, what this email address was. So um, Kate is really to credit for getting that original ball going of having a, a um, some sort of organization established, you know, to work within some um, – and, and Ellie, you said you wanted to come back and join the resistance, and this is what you found when you got back to Bar Harbor? Sure, yeah. Um, so I went to the, the march as well and was sort of traveling down in the middle of the night, making it from Maine to Washington, D.C., and meeting all of these people along the way. It just felt like there were rivers of women and men as well flowing towards Washington, D.C. to be part of this. Um, and I really have to agree with what Gail said with all of that energy there. It felt like it would be impossible to return to normal um, normal life afterwards to sort of say, okay, I did that, now that's done. Um, but yeah, having indivisible form in that aftermath um, sort of gave some structure for how to sustain that energy and um, not have to, you know, travel down to Washington, D.C. every week, <laughs> but have a way of really continuing it as part of your more normal life. Mm-hmm. And who's got a, um, a working definition of indivisible and what it's all about? Um, anybody got a um, how you describe it, or how we how did you describe it to your to your friends and colleagues to I- invite them in? What would you say um, kind of describes indivisible? Well, the the biggest thing for me in the in the very beginning was the part of the indivisible guide that says bring ten people together. Get get ten people together that that you know um, are concerned, and work from there. That it it pointed out that small groups can make a big difference, um, and that's kind of where we were starting from. Mm-hmm. Um, that small group. I mean, we we are in a resistance organization. We are not in charge right now, so we cannot set the agenda. We can, however, resist an agenda that we feel harms people. Um, 
I think it's safe to say we are all progressives here, Mm -hmm. um, which means we want everyone to do well in all walks of life. Um, And so we need to resist any actions that – that that harm anyone because we we want everyone to do better that's mm. that's our goal in life and although we cannot set the agenda we can try to help prevent um bad things from happening to other people mm. not just ourselves mm-hmm. because it's really not about ourselves it's about everyone together so out of that initial conversation and other conversations that followed on the, uh, after the the village green in in January um how did you begin to shape what you did as resistance. Um, so it's it's one thing to talk among yourselves, but you have a pretty active program of resisting. What does that look like? Um, Bo, maybe we'll start with you. What does what was what does the resistance look like uh, for you? Well, for me personally, the the biggest thing that that I do is write a daily uh, call to action, and you know that came out of. I'll come back to that in a second, but that that came out of. Our initial meeting when we had at uh, the Congregational Church, we had a great big group of people, and, you know, we worked through the Indivisible Guide, you know, like what what did people want to do? Some people um, geared towards spokespeople, some people social media, that was all kind of directed by uh, the Indivisible Guide, and it, I mean, others can chime in, but it sort of morphed into a five- uh, five kind of committees that, that, and there were people who volunteered to sort of be um, more in a more leadership role, and they sort of became the steering committee that uh, everybody that you see there, Ellie is really active. She's not, I guess, technically on the steering committee, but so we had a group of this now like seven people. And, you know, for me personally, my job has become to every night do a call to action and I generally um, if I'm doing it by myself which so far is most of the time although we're trying to figure that out um, you know I, I look at I read and read and read and try to figure out what is the most timely thing is there a vote you know at, at the beginning it was very much about the confirmation hearing um, and I write a piece and then I go to bed, and in the morning I hit send, and mm-hmm. then that that goes out. And there's a you know the the goal is a a bunch of people kind of all doing the same thing on a day, and so that's the goal. I have absolutely no idea how many people read it or make the calls to action. There's, there's no way to know. We just hope we have a lot of members, about 550 on our Facebook group, and another more than 100 in a separate email group, those who don't use social media. So, you know, you just, it's a, it's a leap of faith. Great. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, that's, that's, has sort of become my role. Oh, we've done other things. We had an incredible climate march and um, different events, but on a daily basis, that's, that's what resistance looks like. And it sounds like, again, rather than um, some organization from um, a national perspective, you're doing the homework and you're um, with your colleagues selecting the issues that you want um, people to react to and, to, and to, to do action on. How does resistance, what does resistance look like to the rest of you? Uh, Jill, what, what, what does it uh, look like? How would you describe it? Well, for me... The, the daily calls to action are really important because I, I think initially, I know I felt overwhelmed by how quickly issues were coming at us. Um, there were so many, they were so fast that it would have been easy to throw up your hands and say, I don't know where to start. So resistance for me right now really looks a lot like what the indivisible structure is. You know, they... The guide says make have have actions that your group does because it only takes several individuals calling any member of Congress, it, something like half a dozen, before the staffers say there's something going on. Six people called on the same issue. And I think at this point we're doing much better than six people mm-hmm. a day. And I know initially people all over the country, the, the – 
the staffers couldn't answer the phones fast enough. There were record numbers, the switchboards even closed. So resistance, the call to action is important to me. Um, trying to have meetings with our members of Congress are important. And, and um, so several of our events have involved trying to have town halls. Um, that hasn't worked with any of our members present, but we've done some really powerful events that are called town halls. Um, we invite the the members of Congress. Um, we reserve a chair for them at our events. A couple of them have been moderated, and citizens have a chance to make the comments they would make were the members of Congress there. And in one case, we videotaped um, the town hall and, and sent it to Senator Collins so that even though she was not present, she and her staff could hear our concerns. Mm. Gail, what's what's resistance looked like to you as you've been involved in the indivisible movement? Well, it includes like what Jill is saying is like making our, our regular calls, um, letters to the editor, um, the only letter to the editor I've written over the past 30 years would be thank you for, you know, the community helping us out with some organization that I was doing something with. The food, um, food pantry, for instance. Exactly, right. with the food pantry that I was involved with for, for many years. Um, I've had two or three letters to the editor that have been political <laughs> at this at this point um, because I think it's important for people to know, um, to help educate people about what's going on. Um, I use a lot of the, the calls to action that Bo puts out in the mornings are fabulous and they're great education tools. And so they help me to be able to talk with people that I work with or people who come into my restaurant that I have a chance for a conversation with um, to have um, some knowledge. They help to educate me and I in turn can help to educate um other people. Um, part of the resistance for me is um, letting people know where I stand. I have been quiet about that in the past, mostly quiet, not completely quiet, but I never really out out front. Um, and now I, I don't think there's any doubt in people's mind about um, you know where I am um, and what my values are, because really um, this is not about political party, it's about values. Um, and I want people to know that what my values are um, for our whole country. Mm. So. Ellie, how would you add to that um, notion of what resistance looks like? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, and I, I really like what Jill and Gail and Bo have said and would add that resistance also looks like a lot of arts and crafts sometimes. Um, the amount of, you know, uh, we've made liberty crowns, we've made tons of sunflowers for the climate march we've made um just different posters and badges and uh things to bring to the senators offices when we visit them um and yes that's been there's a whole crew of people in indivisible that are incredibly creative and are using their creativity as part of the resistance whether that comes out in the form of you know, these Liberty crowns or in these beautiful posters or someone made cupcakes um, around the idea of tax transparency to bring to the senator's offices. And um, so I would not have expected that ever. But mm. that is one one form that resistance has taken. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a, a small group of folks, wish there were more of them, and I have not been one of them, um, that have been making weekly trips up to visit our members of Congress. Um, they go to their offices. Um, they are polite. Uh, they bring cupcakes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they, you know, they, uh, they come the first, the first trip up there, they, you know, recited the, what's on the Statue of Liberty or, you know, the, the, the yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but these are this is this is part of resistance to sh to showing up so that the the members of Congress know that there are real people living in their districts who are concerned about things, and it doesn't mean a, a lot of people have said, well, you know, indivisible is just the Tea Party all over again on the left side, and it's not our objective to be ugly, um, to tell lies. 
to to treat people um, in ways that we would not want to be treated, which is a lot of what was happening um, with you know at at tea party events. I mean, I don't think you see it would see an indivisible event where people are being spat upon. That that doesn't happen. Um, are we firm? Yes. Uh, are we? Um, do we just keep at it, um, gnawing, as you know, as Bob Dylan was saying there about gnawing on something? Yes, we are gnawing away mm. um, at these things, but in a way that we hope, especially our MDI group, especially, but I think it's a, on a national level, we hope will help to rise, make the conversation better for everyone um, so that everyone feels like they can have something to say um, in the way that our country is run and what we are looking at for everyone. Because when you're beating people down to get what you want to have happen, uh, you're not looking out for mm. everybody's best interest. Mm. And, of course, that's not a progressive value. <laughs> <laughs> you're tuned to Talk yeah. of the Towns here on WERU, and we're talking – to some folks from um, the MDI uh, chapter or the MBI Indivisible Group, um, Jill Weber, Gail Leiser, Ellie Oldark, and Bo Green is on the phone. Uh, uh, Bo, we're going to keep you on just for a few more minutes before we open up the phone lines. Um, uh, what would you want to add um, so that listeners have a sense of, of one, how, what this is, is doing, what um, success you think you're having, and how they might um, get involved at their local level if they don't already have an indivisible chapter to um, connect with. Bo? Okay, well, there are over 6,000 indivisible chapters in the country, so I suspect that everyone does have one reasonably close to them, and I know that you have listeners that stream from far and wide, so I would encourage you to, you know, you could Google the indivisible organization and there'll be a place where you can find one that is near you Mm -hmm. um i would say that we know you know that the agenda for this current administration is to wear us down it is to keep throwing incredibly disturbing things at us um you know head fakes just in the last couple of days for example you know of with the Tommy's testimony, you know, while all that is happening, um, you know, Mitch McConnell is trying to fast-track the Senate's version of the replacement for the American uh, the Affordable Care Act. So, you know, and that's all part of their strategy. And we are smart enough to understand that strategy. The question is whether we have enough resilience to keep at it. And so I guess my suggestion um, and hope and dream is that we can support each other and keep keep going when you need a break, take a break. Uh, but this is not going away. And, you know, uh, my biggest, biggest, biggest message is this is not normal. What is happening in our country is not normal. It is not just another ebb and flow of our political dichotomy. This is way beyond anything that we've ever seen. And we just can't give up. We just have to keep fighting. And I I just feel like no matter how tired I am, no matter how tired all of us are, we have to keep going. And if my job is to just be a cheerleader for that, then so be it. I have a 20-year-old son, and I want him to inherit a world that isn't as messed up as it seems right now. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my work, I guess, for now. Great, Bo. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to, to be with us, and, and good luck with your work. Thanks very much, Ron. Uh, Bo Green, a member of the uh, MDI Invisible um, Chapter, Indivisible Chapter, um, and uh, we have other guests in the studio. But now we'll open up our phone lines. Perhaps you've got questions or your own experience or comments to make um, to um, our guests or with our guests and listeners as we talk about indivisible, engaging citizens and elected officials in representative government. The phone number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Perhaps we'll f- hear from uh, members of other indivisible chapters within the WERU listening area, um, or perhaps you're curious and you just want to find out a little bit more. So please give us a call, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. So as we um, begin the second half hour, um, have you a sense of, of what difference this is all making? What What is your sense, uh, Jill? 
It makes a difference. Hmm. It it makes a difference just because I know that there are other people like me. But I know it makes a difference because Ellie and Gail talked a little bit about our group that goes to the uh, congressional offices every week. And they always go with the concern. They visit with the staff and they go every week and they've gone every week since January. And they go to Congressman Poliquin's office. They go to or we um, go to Senator Collins office and Senator King's office. They do the full the group does the full round every week. And a few Fridays ago, one of our members got a phone call from Senator King's main staffer in Bangor who said, you people keep coming here and you talk to us, but we're not enough. You now need to talk with the senator. I've decided that you need to talk with the senator because you have something to say. You need to be your group needs to be here Monday morning. He has 20 minutes between engagements. I want you to be there. So we know it makes a difference mm. because we would not have been if Senator King never would have called me and said, hey, Jill, wondering what you're thinking right now. <laughs> but our group was we were represented by members of our group week in and week out. And the staff knew that we were concerned. We we weren't going away. And and. Members of our group did get a chance to to speak with the senator. And it sounds like um, in the approach that you're making, you're attempting to make relationships with the staff members of your congressional delegation, which is how it ought to be. Ellie? Yeah, it was a total highlight one week when we went to Senator Collins's office and her staff member was there every Tuesday and had known to expect us and already had materials for us. And when we walked in the door, he said, oh, I was waiting for you. Um, so, yeah, definitely building personal relationships out of something that sometimes feels so impersonal. Mm. one 625 to participate in our conversation about indivisible, engaging citizens and elected officials and representative government. We do have a phone call from <coughs> Yo. Go ahead with your phone call um, or your comments or questions, Yo. Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. It is perfectly absurd to perpetuate suburban lifestyle and consider importuning officials to be a form of resistance. Useless. They don't work for us. The true spirit of resistance is to cast off patrist suburban values, ignore, bypass, and obviate all officials, and create a horizontally organized biodynamic culture that reaffirms humanity's mattress origins. Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Well, thanks for your call, Yo. Um, we have another phone call from Jack. Why don't we take that, and then we'll see what we want to say about those things or, or respond. But, uh, Jack, uh, uh, please uh, uh, join us and offer your comments or questions. Jack calling from Mount Desert. Um, wonderful to hear this strong group of women uh, give us leadership. Uh, I know uh, that over 2,000 people on our islands voted for Mr. Trump last year in November. Um, we all know who live here that there are friends and neighbors. Uh, and so my question for the team is, what can we do through Indivisible MDI to reach out to the thousands of our friends and neighbors uh, to, who voted for Trump uh, to bring them a different perspective and make a difference when we get to 2018 and 2020? Great, great question. Thanks so much for your call, Jack. You bet. Um, so two questions. One one has to do, is this working? Um, is the, the form of resistance that you're offering working? Um, and then um, the second is really, um, how do we reach out to people? How do you reach out to people who might have voted for uh, the candidate that you are trying to resist? <laughs> how, how would you want to take that? Jill first and then Gail? Well, in response to Jack, I'd, I'd say that at our last meeting, we did a couple new new things. 
Um, one of them was Trump bingo, but we won't talk about that right now. Um, but the other one is that we ask people to identify their own passions. What is it that you are passionate, most passionate about trying to change? And one of the things that came up was exactly what Jack mentioned. And so now there's a group within our group working to figure out a forum where we can get people of different opinions together and just sit and have a meal. Mm-hmm. And we can all talk about whether or not we like the food, who cooked the food, how the garden's growing, and, and we want to start there and just get to know each other. And then we can maybe talk more about where we stand. So I, th- that's one approach our group is, is starting to explore, and um, stay tuned. Mm. Gail, anything to add? Um, I would just say that, you know, from the, the first caller's comment, that there are different kinds of resistance um, and different people can participate in different kinds of resistance, and there is room for different kinds of resistance. Um, at this point, the Indivisible MDI group has chosen to um, resist in a way that is um, less confrontational, I guess would maybe a good way to put it, um, because that's what works for those of us who are who are here. I, I understand the whole, you know, sloth off the suburban values. <laughs> I'm a 53-year-old white woman. <laughs> you know, there, my box is so big and it's expanding. But where it can go to how fast, I mean, and there are more, you know, like me around. So um, I think that we all push our boundaries um, as far as we can. And some people, like the first caller, is he's, he's probably able to push his boundary much farther than I'm able to push mine. Um, but it is, I think it is about pushing pushing boundaries for ourselves and for our representative leaders, representative leaders. So um, we're all working toward the same goal. Uh, we may come at it from different perspectives sometimes or um, be able to go different distances. But the ultimate goal is to improve the quality of lives of all of our citizens in the end. Mm. Ella, you, you remarked before the show that you had an image when you were in New Zealand of what resistance might look like, and MDI, um, the indivisible chapter here, might be a little different than what you were expecting. Want to talk a little bit about that difference? Uh, uh, sure. I mean, so when, when I was away, I, I, yeah, it was a total, you know, uh, the image of people taking to the streets and... Um, a much more dramatic, I think, um, version of what resistance looks like. Um, and that happened in, in many ways, especially in January and, and in February. Um, and now that it's, yeah, I think Bo was mentioning, it's sort of, there's a long haul here. Um, and so having more of a structure um, that you can tap into and tap out of as you need to, for me, has has been more sustainable. And I love that there are, so many approaches to resistance um there's like a core a core quality that we're all trying to to get to uh, or a shared goal um and a huge number of ways of approaching that goal or thinking about it um, let's take a phone call from appleton um will go ahead with your question or comment please uh, yeah, thank you um you know i i appreciate the efforts all you good folks are making um you know for mainers and i just would like to to point out that um you know, this situation with Trump has, has really, really been challenging for a lot of Mainers because a lot of the people who've been working as political activists, I don't mean being paid, but I just mean working on social social issues in our state, feel like there's been a massive focus that's been directed towards American challenges. And as that's happened, it's created a vacuum here in Maine. You know, they're attacking on many fronts, whether it's mining. You know, we've seen Brownie Carson and NRCM become pro- protagonists of um, mining in this state. You know, that's a huge, huge policy shift that's happened within the liberal Democrats. And I just think it's really important that we not be distracted. Um, one of the lessons we need to learn from the last national election is that a bad inside the Beltway candidate is always a bad inside the Beltway candidate. If they're part of a strong, established Democratic neoliberal economic policy, you know, leadership community, then there's going to be skepticism from the rest of the community. And I think in Maine, we need to take those lessons to heart. I would strongly encourage, I'm not a Democrat or Republican, but anybody who's looking at the people who are running for governor in this state, 
You know, we have to be really, really, really intelligent about who we support in those roles. Um, you know, and, and I just think that it's really important that we engage socially here in Maine and work to protect our farmers' rights, work to protect our water rights, and, and work to, to work um, in solidarity with the Penobscot Nation. You know, they're doing a huge rally this week to fight um, about the Penobscot River, and they've been fighting. They've shown leadership in our state. They walked out of the state legislature two years ago because of the way that the LePage administration has been interacting. So I appreciate your efforts but never underestimate the real value of local activism here in Maine. And I hope that, um, that no one, whether it's you activists or whether it's other folks around the state, is being distracted by American issues and American, um, you know, focus. Right now, we have a lot of fights happening right now in Maine, and I think it's important that we stay aware of that and continue to fight here to protect our people and land. And when you Thank say, you. when you say, Will, when you say American issues, you're really talking about the kind of the national issues that might be uh, in front of us, and you're urging us to pay attention to those issues that are uh, particularly affecting Maine. I definitely, and also most importantly, state, I'm, I'm talking about party leadership. You know, I mean, really, realistically, I'm talking about the Democrat and Republican parties. And so when people focus their energy into the issues that the, the National Democrat or the National Republican Party leadership is signaling are important, what they're doing is they're agreeing to put their energy where those people feel it's necessary, instead of necessarily putting it where we as a community may feel it's necessary. And so what I'm really trying to do is encourage any activists, whether working in the Democrats or the Republican Party or as an independent, to make sure that they never follow party leadership lockstep. Okay. And I've seen a lot of that in the indivisible movement. I respect the fact that people are doing things and, and influencing their legislators and their senators. But my point is, is that any type of lockstep um, reactionary response that's excessively influenced by those parties' leadership will inevitably be a failing philosophy. And we saw that with both of their candidates. We've been burdened with the repercussions of that election. We all are. So. Well, thanks so much for your call and and for your work, Will. We appreciate that. one 625 9378 We'll take another short uh, phone call, and then we'll have some more conversation. We have David from Brooklyn on the line. Go ahead, David. Hi. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing to be talking about. Thanks for the, thanks for the show. Uh, I would recommend, as an elder, that all the members of the Resist Movement take an hour and Google up uh, Krista Tippett's early Sunday morning show, On Being. It's called On Being. And if you listen to Krista Tippett interview uh, 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 oh man, don't let me forget his name, uh, Rush Limbaugh's uh, co- compatriot uh, 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 oh, what's his name? Well, it'll come to me. Uh, shoot. But anyway, what we got to do is make common cause with the rest of the people in this country. You know, and I think we must never forget that some something like half the population in this country voted for the president. And we, the, to me, the reason why that happened was that the people who are representing the intellectual elite are so convinced that we're right all the time and of the of the uh, the sanctity of our views. Uh, that, that we're willing to, to practice the policy of, of uh, trying to rule by minority. Uh, 20% is all you take, is, the, is the, uh, the axiom, all it takes to change, to change uh, the course of, of the world. Well, this, the, the course the world's on right now, 20% ain't going to change it, I'm sorry. Like you said, uh, you know, it's, it's much bigger than that. And the only way we have a prayer of changing it is for all of us as citizens to be working together. You with me? You hear yeah, me? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, common cause. Uh, uh, Beck. Uh, Beck. Krista Tippett, Glenn Beck. You know, check that interview out. It's a very, very important interview. Krista's no fool, and neither is Glenn. Uh, <laughs> and we, we, need, we need to be up on this. We need Great. to be able to listen to Glenn. Great. You David, know? we've got some other calls, so okay. we'll thank you for your call. And, Thanks uh, a lot. Yep. And uh, 1-866-625-9378. Perhaps there are other members of Indivisible um, out there that would like to offer their views on how they're approaching this work um, at their own community level. We'd welcome their calls at 1-866-625-9378. So we've had a couple of calls and urging a broadening 
in, in, in some ways, um, but you've, you've both said that there's lots of ways to resist. Um, any reactions or, or thoughts about these, these uh, callers in terms of, of how they're urging us to pr- uh, approach? Certainly the, the caller, um, Will, from Appleton, talking about paying attention to those local, local issues and how they affect, affect our local citizens. But you're made up of local citizens, so it would be pretty hard to get away from that. Um, yeah, my response to the callers is yes, yes, and yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Will, thank you. I, you, I. We all have to decide where, what we can, how we can allot our time on any given day, and what you say is, is vital to to all of us in Maine. Um, you know, we're in Bar Harbor. We're ele- about to elect a new school board. How how important is it to us? Um, to have people on there that are setting policies that raise all of our children. Um, so what you say is completely true. Um, and and I encourage everybody to spend the time on every issue, every level of issue that they can. Um, and to Dave, I'd say I have, yes, I agree. Krista Tippett is an amazing thinker and that we do need to reach out. And I I always come back to something that my graduate advisor said because he was giving a big talk and I said, aren't you nervous? You're going to be down there with all those famous people. And he said, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. (laughs) And I feel that way about the people that voted for Trump. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. And we all, the fact is, we all depend on each other. And um, so that's where I am with that. Great. Let's take another phone call. Who's this on on the line? Uh, is Bo? Bo Bo is back with us uh, for perhaps oh, some yes, it is. reactions. I, I don't need to. I'm just listening. If you need me, I'm here. Oh, okay, <laughs> great, great. Um, John, do we have another uh, phone call? We'll take that phone call. Uh, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Yes, go ahead. Hi there. Um, this is Susan from Southwest Charber. Um, Yes. I, first of all, I want to commend, commend all the, the leadership uh, and all the other people who are working really hard with Indivisible NDI. Uh, the hours and the imagination and the openness in which this leadership group has served, it, it's, quite, it's really remarkable, and I thank them. Um, and I do will continue to, um, to beat the drum about trying to reach people who uh, uh, live around us or, or in our families or to engage in conversation with people who um, voted um, for Republicans. I'll just say that. Not just Trump, because it's not just Trump. It's the whole administration. It's, it's, it's Bruce Poliquin. It's Brian Langley. It's Susan Collins, especially. Um, and, um, you know, to try to have conversation and, and reach people. And, of course, you know, working in a group that's focused on change. Um, sometimes I live in my bubble, and um, I really am trying to make it a goal to talk to people who I know don't agree with me. <laughs> Susan, we're having, Susan, we're having some trouble um, with your phone line. So thanks, oh dear, thanks so much for your call this afternoon, this morning, and uh, um, good luck with your work um, um, with the within the MDI Invisible Group. Um, reactions, comments, Ellie. Yeah, uh, thank you, Susan. I think you're right. I think it's really important to make sure we're having conversations with people that maybe align with a different party than we do. Um, But I also just have been thinking that uh, even within people that perhaps voted for Democrats or um, label themselves progressives, there's still a diversity there. Um, There's still a lot of different issues that are, um, are different experiences for different people that make them uh, care more about specific issues. Um, And I would say indivisible. We've sort of all joined together to tackle issues that feel most important to us, but I would hope that it wouldn't override other people and their forms of resistance. And in fact, I would hope that seeing um, a successful, sustained resistance 
organization like Indivisible, even if it's focusing on different issues than you personally would want to focus on, would have some sort of ripple effect and encourage people to be involved in whatever issues are most important to them. So there's a lot out there, and certainly Indivisible can't speak to every person's experience. Mm. What, what, what do you sense are some of the challenges that you face as a, as a movement, if you will? Um, um, you've talked about how successful it's been so, so far. What are the challenges that you look at going forward? And then we'll take another phone call. I think sustaining, mm. sustaining the energy. Um, sometimes it feels like a boxing match. <laughs> we're we're getting pummeled, you know, and so you you Bo encouraged everybody to make sure you take time for yourself, um, and that is important. Um, but we also have to you know get up every morning and and go back to it and not be overwhelmed by by what's happening. So um, sustaining the energy, uh, finding ways to uh, help a variety of people um, from all different walks of life find their the best way to be a part of this resistance um everyone who comes to these meet we have a meeting every month uh, the third the third wednesday of every month uh, our next next meeting will be on the 21st um at uh, at six thirty at uh, saint saviors in the parish hall at saint saviors and then in july we'll be meeting at the bar harbor congregational church on the on the uh, third wednesday uh, so Finding a way, we have different people show up for the meetings every time. It's never there are a few people that come to most every meeting, but then there are all different people who come in every time. So we want to make sure that we are um, able to uh, to reach out to a variety of people uh, to help a variety of people find their way to be a part of the resistance, um, and then for us to you know occasionally all come together at the same time like with the climate march um huge huge outpouring of support for that where we could come together and gather energy from each other in that way um but there are you know we have a a a website um it's uh, indivisiblemdi.wordpress.com where people can get information about what we're going on we have our email address so people can contact us to to find out ways to to get involved um Indivisible, M-D-I, B-H, um, at gmail.com. Can so put the, the B-H in there so that if there was another group on M-D-I that wanted to do something, then it could be M-D-I, you know, S-W-H or something. You know, she was sure, thinking ahead of sure. being inclusive of everybody and not taking things over there. So sustaining, was, yeah. sustaining the effort and using technology, and that's probably a, a difference than, than uh, Bob Dylan was singing about. He didn't have that technology. Have technology. We have one more phone call I think we'll be able to, to fit in. Uh, Frank from Lemoyne, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Yeah, a good a good position to start from for the indivisible people is the big cruise ship industry, which is just another form of the Donald Trump floating into your harbor. I live on Frenchman's Bay for 35 years in Marlboro. I wish I could boat over there, because it's more than just Bar Harbor, those cruise ships. You talk about pollutants, those things are nasty. We just, Anything else about indivisible, place. Frank? <laughs> We'll that? That. Yeah, they're not indivisible. Okay. In your face, big time. And, it's, and don't stop indivisible just because Donald Trump. I mean, he just, you know, peas of the same pod, just a little bit more obnoxious. There's lots of politics to be involved in. Great. Thanks, a lot. Thanks so much for your call this morning. Thanks to all the callers. I think we're headed towards the top of the hour. So we've talked a little bit about some of the challenges. We may be able to fit one more phone, brief phone call in. Um, you focused um, kind of the, on the national policy. We've had a caller saying pay attention to local local issues. Where do you see this heading? Where, where does some of your hopes and, and dreams for how this plays out uh, over time? Hey, can I chime in on that one, Ron? Yes, go ahead, Bo. So I I really appreciate Will's call. Um, I, it, it, it is a nice reminder to me, since I'm often choosing the thing to focus on, um, to, to pay attention. And I do pay attention. I speak a lot with Brian Hubble, our representative in the main house, uh, but that's a really important reminder, and I'm grateful for Will to bring that up. I need to be um, 
you know, pay pay more attention. I think what's been difficult is, is just the national scene has been so incredibly overwhelmed that it's difficult to, it, it, it honestly feels scary not to respond to things. So it's been, and I just wanted to express that. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of, a lot of work doing and um, we'll do the Let- best we can. But let's take a very brief phone call from Ian in South Thomason, and then I'll get some reaction from our guests in the studio. Ian, go ahead with your question or comment, please, briefly. Okay. I'll try to be brief here. Um, I just think that um, speaking to a representative like Angus King, who played both sides and made himself wealthy off of warmongering and big business, I mean, it's a... you're already you're speaking you're trying to bend the ear of someone that's already entrenched in a largely corrupt system and i think by calling yourself a resistance is a bit of a misnomer <clears throat> i mean if like i think i, I appreciate so that. What, what are you doing ian what, what what how does resistance look to you um i think that i think that we need to organize i mean i i support anybody that's organizing or doing anything i just think we need to to look at a a bigger picture of our political system rather than getting caught up in in bending the ear of someone that's that's really not looking out for local main people or people in the country um maybe resisting the entire system um but that's it. I'll keep it brief. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks so much for your call. So as we wrap up the hour, only a few minutes left. Um, again, what are your, um, those of us in the studio, what are your hopes? What are, what, where, where would you like this to go? Um, Jill? I just want justice for all. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and, and I'm not dead yet, so I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to work for that. I want, not just in our country, I want everybody to have clean water to drink, enough food to eat, a feeling of safety. And um, so I, I, that, that's what I envision, and I think that's partly what will sustain the movement because there are a lot of people that share the vision. Hmm. Gail? Um, well, I, think, I do want to see the movement continue um, into the future. Uh, if in the, you know, if after four years of of the, the um, Republican administration, a Democratic or independent administration comes in, there will still be work to be done. The one thing that I've really learned from this is that I have a responsibility as a citizen to uh, make sure that my elected representatives are are representing the values of the communities that they've been elected to. And I can't I, they, they don't know what my values are unless I am telling them what my values are, what my community's values are, ex- expressing those values to them. So, so this is something that will have to happen for the rest of my life. It's not something that just happens for two years, four years. It's, it's for the rest of our lives. Mm. Ellie, how's it been to be a relatively young person um, in this process, and, and what are your hopes? Yeah, uh, well, it's been a learning experience, absolutely. I feel like I've had this incredible opportunity to mm. see um, these older people in my community form something that that lasts, um, and I've been incredibly inspired by that. So thank you, everyone that's here or listening as well. It's really means a lot. Uh, my hopes for the future are that we continue to have these conversations and that we don't normalize what's going on. And Bo mentioned that earlier in the hour, and I think that is really important. I mean, it's it's scary when you step back sometimes and look at what's uh, the changes that have happened over such a short period of time and the way they, they sort of all blend together and um, feel less outrageous. Um, and I hope to keep being involved with people that remind me and remind each other that this is not normal and we do have an ability to speak against it in some ways. Great. Great. Well, thank you all for being with us. Thanks to all of your colleagues for being there um, on Mount Desert Island and all across the nation um, for resisting um, what is not normal. We've come to the end of the hour. Be sure to join us from 10 to 11 on the second Friday of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts for our programs can be found in the archive section of the WERU website, and this program will be posted next week sometime. If you have comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at news at 
WERU.org. And tune in to our companion program, Coastal Conversations, with Natalie Springle of University of Maine Sea Grant from 10 to 11 on the fourth Friday of each month. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests from Indivisible MDI, Jill Weber, Gail Leiser, Ellie Oldark, and Bo Green. Thanks to those of you who listened and called in with your questions and experience. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to John Greenman for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Blue Hill Fair, running August 31st through September 